ride or die. Remember, this is the Geek Confidential Podcast. Melody Eagles, welcome, Mel. Hey, hey. Dan Pierce, welcome. What's up? And making his second return to the podcast, Mo Walker. Welcome back, Mo. Thanks for having me. I had some stuff going on last week, so we weren't able to record podcasts. But Fate of the Furious from the Fast and the Furious franchise came out. I loved it. Maybe not quite as much as number seven, but I still loved it. Mel, what did you think? Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed it. And I feel like I say this about every Fast and the Furious 7, 8, 9, 2000. I'm always like, man, that's way better than I thought it was going to be because I don't know what I'm expecting. I'm always, I guess I go in with low expectations, but it always blows me away. So I don't know. But not the point. Um, I really enjoyed this movie. Granted, I do feel that Paul Walker's presence was definitely missed. They made up for it as best they could. I with really enjoyed uh, What's his name, right? Eastwood. Oh, yeah, him. Um, the Paul Walker bot, because that's yeah. basically what he was. <laughs> See, I didn't, I, didn't really, I didn't really mind that, because they didn't introduce him as a competent person like Paul Walker's character originally was. They actually introduced him as a not very competent straight jacket-type mm. character. Right, so, but they made him the pretty boy, and Paul Walker was always the beautiful man on there. I mean, granted, there's plenty of other beautiful men. How y'all doing? Dwayne Johnson and um, Vin Diesel. But that's not the point. Um, I just felt like he was a Paul Walker bot because he was the pretty boy and they tried to incorporate him. You know, he didn't always get it right, but the, he tried. They made up for the pretty factor. Did you have favorite moments? When <laughs> the cars on in the opening scene, spoiler alert, um, in the beginning when they're in Cuba and that uh -huh. whole race between Dom and the big bad on the island and when the car is basically on fire and should have exploded 10 minutes ago and he turns it around <laughs> in reverse and still wins the race i thought that was pretty dope and um the scenes with jason statham and the baby oh my god my favorite moments of the film Fantastic. absolutely favorite loved those so um I mean you yeah. didn't you didn't like the rock redirecting a missile uh, see, this is the only thing about this franchise. You have to leave reality in your car at the movies. So like, it is a real-life superhero soap opera. Yep, don't go in there expecting things to happen, because every time they do stuff like that, I'm like, y'all should have been dead three movies ago doing and, this shit. And when they die, they come back to life multiple yeah, times. That's true. Before I go to Dan on it, what did you think of uh, Charlize Theron as Cypher? I think I thought she was really good. I just I enjoy Charlize as an actress in general, so I really wasn't worried about that. But I think she did a really good job playing the villain here. You know, she did a great job of making me hate her. So anytime you can do that, I give you much applause on that. But the only thing I didn't like is that I know we have to have another movie. So they let her get away. And I was like, damn it. Why can't we have a new villain? Because I kind of like the new villain every movie thing, but they managed to tie them all together with her cypher character so i don't know but i'm interested they always got me for the next movie because at this point i am now eight movies in 
and I have to see. And isn't there going to be like twelve of them because Diesel has like has these in like trilogy arcs or something like that? So I think we have we've got more. Fast and the Furious twenty seven. I will be there with my walker and a Slurpee. And you know what? And you know what's going to happen. I was listening to another podcast. So this is not mine, but they made a very good point. At some point, Dom and Paul Walker's kid on the show are going to grow up, and then it's going to be them. It's going to be the next generation. Exactly. It's gonna be serious, the next generation. They're going to reboot it, and get, I'll probably still be there. They'll be in space by that point. Dan, <laughs> what did you what did you think? Because um, I really enjoyed the movie. Jason Statham and the baby were my favorite scenes. Um, I didn't mind uh, Charlize. She was good. I just thought she might have been a little bit of a caricature. I was really worried, though, going into the film because the James Bond films, when you go to the Arctic or someplace really cold with snow and ice, they tend to go like jump the shark. And so I was concerned about that with this. Fast and Furious jumped the shark a long time ago, so that's not something you have to worry about. And it, and it actually was sort of fun what they did in Arctic Russia. What did you think of the film? I absolutely loved the film. It was... It, these movies just keep building on one another, trying to figure out, okay, how can we outdo ourselves from the last time? Remember how we gave the villain a tank? What if we had a tank? Or now, next one, it's going to be. You remember how the villain had a submarine? What if we had a submarine? You know, they just keep building on each other one by one. And I agree with Nell 100%. This movie could have used some Paul Walker, at the very mm-hmm. least, some Mia, but you can't bring Mia back without Brian. And I get that. It makes sense. Inserting Scott Eastwood into the franchise is a good move, but it's also in the same year that he has another car-based movie coming out. So I'm kind of left scratching my head. He's got a movie coming out later this summer called Overdrive, where it's him and another guy stealing cars. So that that's a whole other can of issues. Um, I... I love the character moments that, you know, getting to see Roman dealing with like, oh my gosh, I love this Lamborghini. I'm going to bring it out here. And and now he's in Arctic Russia with the Lamborghini that doesn't have snow tires. And now he's run like all that whole sequence of events with him on the door. I was dying. Oh, that was so great. Um, Dwayne Johnson, always fantastic. Glad to see that him and Vin Diesel squashed their beef over or, just... or the checks came in and they decided, <laughs> Hey, maybe we should get along for the next movie. I well, think that's a great idea. Right. And that might be, be why we may be, or we could be getting a, uh, spinoff for Dwayne Johnson and Jason Statham. But before I d- dive into that real quick, uh, Dan, what was your out of five rating for this? I would probably give this about a four. Okay. Um, it, it was very good. It was very good. It wasn't as good as seven. It wasn't as good as five. Five. Five was great. You know, it doesn't have the um, inventiveness of three or just the over-the-topness of two. But it's it's on that six, six slash one level where it's like, all right, I, I kind of... They they really bring it, and I really enjoy it. So yeah, I would give the movie um like a three point eight. I think it was good. 
And okay. I agree with Dan. It was right around like six and seven, six, seven to eight are kind of all along the same wavelength. So, yeah. Okay. I give it a four. Um, I'm really looking forward to the next one, see what they do. Um, Deadline reported that Dwayne Johnson and Jason Statham could be getting a spinoff. And, and that may come before the actual next Fast and the Furious movie. So if that happens, we Dwayne Johnson won't have to worry about a beef with Vin Diesel if, if they still have one. Uh, Mo, I know you are a big Game of Thrones fan. There are a couple actors in the Fast and Furious franchise who are on Game of Thrones. This week we got Game of Thrones photos. And when I saw the photos, I was like, ooh, there's Game of Thrones photos. I must go see. I must go see. And I saw them, and I was like, these could have been taken from any of the previous seasons. And I was disappointed. What did you think of the Game of Thrones photos? Honestly, I was thinking the exact same thing. Are they trying to hide things from fans? There's no action in the photos, no. so they don't give anything away. They're just like portrait shots. And I'm like, this is nothing. This, I literally was like, okay, that could be this season, this scene from this season. And I felt like I was hoodwinked. Mel or Dan, did either of you think that? <laughs> I love how we all have nothing to say. <laughs> it's apparent that I they... I was like, were you flabbergasted, Luke? Did they they pull pull the wool over your eyes. Luke, it wasn't that they, they pulled you. the wool over my eyes, but it was like <laughs> when I hear that Game of Thrones photos for season season seven are being released, I'm like, ooh, I can't wait. I must see these. And then what, you get to you... them, and it's like, come on. Okay, it's the last season. <laughs> no, right. there's one more. No, it's split. This is split, right? But it's only yeah, going to be th- but, like 10 episodes or something, right? Well, it's it's no, a shorter... It's like seven episodes. I'd have to do the count, but it's, it's like a shorter... Seven, seven episodes. So, and they split it between seven episodes? So, no, basically what there is is, if I'm not mistaken, and someone can correct me, but they have like a total of 12 or 13 episodes, but they're actually doing them as two separate seasons. So se- Oh, but I thought they just... were going to do like, season no, seven it's... is going to be like, had this half the season and this is the other half season like Breaking Bad did, but no. no? Oh, okay. they're, <clears throat> they're actually doing them as two separate seasons. Okay, so this is the next to last season. We know we have a limited amount of episodes left, so they know they're not trying to give too much away. Because remember the last time something like this happened? Remember when Jon Snow was dead, and then all of a sudden they saw him on set and he wasn't dead? And I feel like HBO's a little salty about that. I feel like they're a little like, ugh, they gave away our secrets, so we're not going to give you anything. Okay. I mean, granted, I like seeing my Game of Thrones people, and yes, they're very pretty people. But, you know, the photos were underwhelming. So I just looked it up. There was, there's going to be seven episodes this season and six episodes Same. in the final season for a total 13. of 13. Okay. Um, Dan, this last week you went and tweeted, uh, Mel and I, the tweet from Timeless uh, creator, Sean Ryan, yes. about how he was pitching Timeless to NBC. Apparently the pre-pitch with Sony went well, but it really comes down to whether or not NBC wants to shell out some bucks. Yes. Michael Asiello did a whole thing on uh, TV line about like the, the chances. And right now Timeless is at a long shot. So it, it really upsets me. I really think that this is the perfect show for sci-fi. They they should pick it up. Sci-fi should pick it up if NBC doesn't go through with it. I think that on the budget, I think that 
the it wouldn't be that difficult to adapt the CGI that they use to deliver a show that matches the quality of things that you have on um, on sci-fi and you have the characters and you already have a built-in audience. Why wouldn't you take the audience from NBC and just try and transplant them if you can bring it in at a lower cost? Legends can't be that expensive to produce and this is really no more than Legends. And Legends is on the CW. True. I would worry more about the audience fall off from transferring networks. But sci-fi um, already has a built-in audience of for people who would be interested in that type of a show. That's right, why I figure but, that it would make it up. But like network to cable, uh, and especially sci-fi, which isn't always available on like the basic cable package, there might... It, you could run into problems in, in that respect. Now, I will say that this... This show definitely feels like it could be a good place for sci-fi. I just worry about the logistical side of things. But in terms of the story, holy cow, are you guys right? Holy <laughs> cow. Are you how, right? Many, how many times do we have to we be right? tried to tell you, Dan. Repeatedly. <laughs> multiple weeks. Multiple episodes. We were like, you need for to watch months. And you were hating. You were straight up hitting you like, I ain't watching this show. I don't want to do it, blah, blah. He finally sat down and watched Timeless. In and you January. See do you see what happened? Now he's like, I need it in my life. Yes, you do. Because we're going to start calling I, you the show killer. I'm not the show killer. You start watching it and his ratings go down. I mean, I wasn't watching it live, so I wasn't really contributing to the ratings as a start with. So I feel like the term show killer doesn't really apply. That being said, <laughs> that I, hasn't stopped me from using that on someone in the past. <laughs> I was not hating. I was just indifferent. I was like, you know, I got legends. I got my time travel show. I'm good. I, I don't need to worry about it. And then you guys started talking about it. And like, I got my interest peaked. So I took a look and then I just kept looking and pretty soon I was 16 episodes in. It just kind of happens. That's what always happens. Well, the show yeah. is, I was going to say the show, I mean, the show is built, is built for a GH fan, you know, <laughs> with all the yeah. references. It's clearly that they're coveting. There's, uh, some, there's someone on that uh, writing staff who loves General Hospital. Yes, clearly. there is. And Brandon Barash is just, he was so good as Hemingway. I was on the floor. I was just like, and the minute he punched someone and was like, that was a Hemingway hook, I'm like, BS. That is a Zakara move if I ever saw one. Come on now. <laughs> now, Mo, I wanted to have you back for this podcast because I could be completely wrong on this, but I'm pretty sure Mel and Dan do not watch Doctor Who. And I'm pretty sure they neither of them watch the class. Um, but I know you do, and as a doctor, and it's always wonderful to have someone to discuss Doctor Who with. It returned for its 10th season, its final season with Peter Capaldi as the Doctor. It introduced <clears throat> Pearl Mackey as Bill, the new um, his new companion. What did you think of the season premiere? I enjoyed the pilot uh, tremendously. Which is, the name, which is the name of the episode. Yes. Okay. It really reminded me of the first series since the show rebooted or restarted back in twenty in two thousand and five. Uh, Bill, she's, 
for some reason she reminds me of, of Rose. Rose Tyler. Yep, she and does. Bill is the new Bill is the doctor's newest newest companion. But and when you if you watch that uh, the pilot, did you notice the two photos that were on the doctor's desk? I did. His office. Okay. So I'm kind of wondering if Bill may actually be Susan who was the woman in the woman in the black and white photo who turn, who is the doctor's granddaughter. So there's been a lot of speculation that Bill is a descendant of the doctor. Yeah. And there's also the doctor's daughter who's also out there. But the less said about that character, the better. I think Moffat Moffat Stephen Moffat who wrote this episode, who is the showrunner for Doctor Who knows that this is his last time out the gate and that I think he really he wants to put out a, um, he wants to make sure he starts out the gate strong like he usually does. I think he wants to make sure that there is some sort of payoff because when he leaves, you know, he's handing the keys over to someone else who can essentially do whatever they want. And I, I think that Moffat wants fans to know that there were some rough patches during his run, but he is a great storyteller and that his love of the doctor will shine through. And Luke, I have to say that I'm proud for you, proud of you for not referring to Peter Capaldi as Skeletor. He is Skeletor that he's always been Skeletor. The, this, I liked the three previous doctors very much who were, who came before him and this one has been hard, but I will say this, the, the, the most recent Christmas special, I warmed up to him a little. Yeah. I liked him in this episode opposite of Pearl Mackey and with, uh, as Bill, I do like her. I think that she brings some new life and vitality to it. I liked Clara, but Clara always, <sighs> Clara never got the, the storyline with that. I hope she would get that would make her a more dynamic character she always seemed to be something was happening to her as opposed to someone who could actually feed something so this episode wasn't bad i I, of his run of which i have not been happy i mean there have been times when i have not been able to watch doctor like under the previous three doctors i would watch them same night sometimes live but definitely same night I have, with the exception of the season premiere, I have not watched any of his episodes live since his first one. And it's, he just, no. But I'm looking forward to it. The promo for the rest of the season looks really good. It looks like we're going to have a strong season. I want to see what they do with Bill. I'm a little bit torn because with her only being a one-season companion, we are going to be in for some really uh, big jarring changes with the next season. Usually a companion will span two doctors to, to be the glue that holds the seasons together. It'll be interesting to see how they pull that off it with her not playing that role. The other thing I wanted to talk to you about though, was the doctor who spinoff set in the school where Clara once taught called class I really enjoyed this. I, I was surprised how much I enjoyed it. What did you think? I really, really like Class. Class, to me, is very much a fusion of Buffy and Doctor Who. I think that the characters feel like 
teenagers. And they feel like they feel like first season Buffy. They mm-hmm. feel they feel like first season the CW shows you or the WB shows you used to love that mm-hmm. may have had a supernatural twist. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And and like for instance, um, Quill is essentially the opposite of Giles. Love her. And, she and, is everything. And you know, and I was actually kind of surprised at how, how violent uh, class is compared to. Not just some of the other Doctor Who spinoffs, well, with the exception of Torchwood. Um, it, I, in my mind, I was thinking that, well, Sarah Jane Adventures would be a PG, and Class would be PG-13. But I really feel Class, in some ways, is a hard PG-13 or closer to R, or even closer to what Torchwood was in terms of the First violent... Torchwood. Yes, because I did not like the stars version of Torchwood. I pretend that one did not happen. But <laughs> if you want to check out this series, the basic premise is um, this boy shows up in school. In school, he has a guardian. They are aliens from a planet that has been decimated. There are who are basically there, uh, sort of under the protection of the Doctor, but not really. He's put them there, but they're he's sort of leaving them on their own unless it's a drastic emergency, which, of course, because this is a Doctor Who spinoff, means that we are going to have a drastic emergency in the pilot so that Peter Capaldi can show up. But... The, the characters were good. I mean, Sophie Hopkins as April was a nice, good girl who's having problems. Uh, Fady Elseed, I'm not sure how that's pronounced, I apologize, who plays Ram as a, an aspiring soccer player, I have to say did not expect to have the soccer player lose his leg in the, in the freaking episode. That was something that was a surprise. Greg Austin as the person who, as the the basically the prince who's being protected in, in this school, and it turns out that he's interested in the Russian boy. That was an interesting twist. Vivian Opera, oh, who played Tanya, was really good. I enjoyed that story, too. And I love how they incorporated the villain into all the character storylines and then brought them together at the dance. They did it really well. But my absolute favorite is Miss Quill. If you are a fan of over-the-top broad bitches you want to watch her because she is like (laughs) ice queen and it's fantastic. Dan, do I have to pull a timeless on you and say, you need to watch this so that you do not have another timeless situation. Uh, this is a little different because I, I've tried Dr. Who can't get into it. And I don't imagine a spinoff of a show I can't get into is actually the thing about this is, is it's complete like, he makes one appearance. It's not that at all. It's basically, I'm trying to think. What's the last? It's it's basically a Buffy. Did you enjoy Buffy? I've never seen Buffy. Okay. What? Have you... Yeah, no, I've never seen Buffy. I mm. interviewed someone from Buffy. I haven't, I haven't seen a lot of Buffy. I'm not gonna say I haven't seen it at all because I've I've seen it, but I haven't seen a lot of it. So. I I interviewed her stunt woman Sophia Crawford from seasons one through five. She's okay. very nice. Okay. Yeah, that, so, that is my only Buffy credit. Well, we would encourage you both as well as the audience to check it out because it, it, it definitely has that vibe with a twist of with a twist of the doctor, though. I still say, what in the hell does it take for me to get another good season of Torchwood? I need another season of Torchwood. Well, first of all, you got to you got to rescue Captain Jack. 
from Captain, the verse Captain Jack can, is somewhat, listen, if you follow him on Instagram, you know that he's going back and forth between the U.S. and the U.K. all the time. There is no problem with him being able to do that. Dan, <laughs> let's talk Riverdale. In the latest okay. episode, they threw a birthday party for Jughead, and I have to say, I'm getting really sick of Pouty Jughead. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's getting annoying. It, it, it's, it's almost insufferable, and... They did a twist on Truth or Dare where basically everything that happened in the first season, it was sort of nice how they did it because Cheryl comes in and is going to do a new version of Truth and Dare, which basically if you haven't watched the first part of the season or just tuning in for the first time, you get caught up on everything that has happened from Betty, Veronica, Archie, Jughead, I mean the whole thing. And they have all the characters there together and they pull it off. I'm not the happy balls to... on Cheryl. Yes. I am not very happy to have the coach's son back that chuck? yeah chuck i i feel like they're making him a little bit too one-dimensional and when he's around betty becomes one-dimensional and so far i've liked betty but what did you think of the most recent episode it was okay i really like what it did for archie and veronica uh, because this is setting up some dynamics that are more classic to the source material, where it's like, all right, so we're putting Veron like we're putting Veronica in Archie's orbit in a romantic sense now that they've been established as friends, and now we've established Archie as being just this complete airhead with the way he handled the situation with Miss Grundy, the way he handled the situation with Val. Let's face like, it, he's a man-ho. Yeah, he is... <laughs> he's a man-ho. Uh, he, is, he, he is the man... He is the man-ho. He is the archetype for the man-ho. He is what other man-hoes aspire to be. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, it's it's just, it's really That's interesting. That's the title of the what... podcast, The Fate of Man-hoes. The Fate of Man-hoes. Oh, no. Ho hopefully is better than the, the fate of that party, because, okay, who walks into a party and is like, hey, so... I have this game, even though I'm not throwing this party, and uh, I wasn't invited to this party and brought all of these unwanted people to this party. You guys are all going to be subjected to my game. There's nothing devious going on here. And also, FP, what the heck are you doing there? Like, that was just, I, I understand he, him wanting to be there for his son, but the amount of, like, debauchery going on at this party... And there's just one adult drinking alone in the corner. It's <laughs> creepy. Yes. And my question is, did Archie and Veronica actually have sex? Because when, like, at first, the way they have the scene, they make it look like they didn't. But then when Veronica shows up at Betty's uh, at the school and gives Betty the uh, croissant or whatever, and Betty goes, the last time you did this, you um, kissed Archie. I was like, so what are they saying about this? I have a question. She gave her, did she give her one croissant or did she give her like a whole box of croissants? Because if she gave a whole box of croissants, you already know what happened. <laughs> it wasn't a whole box it wasn't a whole box honestly I think they just kissed because like Veronica woke up in his bed see and that was and the thing that did was... she have clothes on 
Yes, she had he all did. of her clothes on, okay. and he was sleeping on the floor. And that's why. And that's why I was like, they didn't. They didn't sleep together. It was yeah, only yeah. when she brought the thing to Betty that I started second guessing myself. Well, she did wake up in his bed in his room, so I feel like you owe that girl a croissant with chocolate in it for that. I actually think they might have been. Well, teenagers can do other things, you know. I mean, mm. I'm in the mm. <laughs> so, you, know. you should have brought a two croissants for that. <laughs> clip from next week is any indication where Veronica and Archer are performing at the school dance. We're in for some catfighting between Betty and Veronica, and I am so here for it. Let's oh honest. my god. Veronica is gonna eat that girl's breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So unless we get the unless we get the maple out. syrup Betty back. So I did have a question about, uh, I had to, a thought about Archie. I mean, he feels like uh, Liam from The Bold and the Beautiful, you know? <laughs> Just... <laughs> oh. Ooh. I mean, For all you non-so fans out there, that is not a compliment. You do not want to be like Liam. That's not what you want in your life. No. Mo, you are not wrong, but I don't want to put, like, I don't even want to think about Archie being that because if I do it's going to like color how I think of him going into the future. And I really hope, and I'm positive that the writing team at Archie or at Riverdale is not going to let that happen, but he's a man. Ho he's a man. Yeah. He would be the equivalent of what Reagan used to call Langston uh, as a panty dropper. Yeah. He's the MP. He's got the MP of the year. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying. Oh yeah. It's already now. Delighted. Now, for the record, <laughs> Mel, I did not have that category on this our first annual best and worst of 2016 you know, podcast. Luke, got... But, but Luke, I may I'm have aware. to add it since Luke, you have category. brought it up. I every might have to add year, it. That best worst podcast every year. He adds like five more categories. I swear. Uh, for the record, I do not add categories to the DC podcast, and this was our first annual, so of course there were a lot of them this season, but I kept them short. But I digress. I, I will say there's one aspect of Riverdale that I'm seriously having a problem with, because, okay. okay, all of the promotional material has all of the kids standing around the water and stuff, and all of this stuff, and Josie is right there, and we've gotten like half an episode with Josie. Give us more Josie. Preach. For real. Yeah. Like, they're advertising her as, like, a main part of the cast, and we've seen her for, like, a minute. It's ridiculous. Mo, I want to talk to you about The Magicians. It's not a show that we've discussed a lot on the podcast, but it I was really impressed by how this, they did the second season. I, what, I had a hard time with the first season, but I came back and gave it a second chance, and I wasn't disappointed. I think that they worked out a lot of the problems. I thought that they made it more character-driven. I also love the fact that we spent way more time in Fillory. But boy, that was an interesting season finale. What did you think? I wasn't... I, you know, it really took me by surprise the fact that when they killed Ember, I was not expecting that at all. I figured that it that character would survive until the next season. I was totally wrong. Um, I wasn't surprised that magic, uh, magic to shut down. They'd been that plot thread had been building the entire uh, season, and I figured it's the magicians. 
they solve one problem, two more problems Pop arise. Out. Yep. I figured there would have. I thought that there's another character would have died, and I. It, it, it just the way that the season had been progressing. For some reason, I felt like uh, Katie was her number was up. I because the character is not in the in the books, and it just seemed like every time you turned around, she was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Or, you know, I figured maybe the time I thought Julia would have accidentally got her killed at one point, but she's still standing. So it'll be interesting to see what happens next season. Um, I think what, what they're doing with Julia is really interesting. Again, I've, I've read the book, so I kind of know where that character is if they're following the through line from the books where that character will ultimately end up, if this is sort of the turning point for that, for that shift, I'm here for it. Um, I, I really hope that um, Alice, that Alice and Quentin, their road, you know, I, I hope there's another, there's some more, zigs and zags and and um that there are some additional con- hint there was some hints about some additional consequences for her coming back to life and what she was doing as a niffin i hope that continues in in, in season three um and and i do feel like the show has figured out how to balance the earth um stuff um the earth break bills situation versus what's going on in fillery because i love fillery especially the sloth that sloth is great the sloth isn't bad and i really and i've really enjoyed how they have had elliot and Margot as the kings and queens of fillery trying to fix all the different problems and i have to say i the how they have handled elliot's marriage <laughs> that is something that you do not see on television at all and I'm impressed how they've executed it because it, for some reason it works. I don't know if that's in the original source material because I've never read the series, but how they've executed that on the show, I'm like, okay, this could work in a fantasy world in an alternate world. The marriage and all those things, they're not in the book. Okay, they're not. So basically yeah. the writers have uh, used this as a new tool Correct. to drive yes. story. Okay. But I think the show does this really good job of just uh, their stories in terms of like LGBT, uh, LGBTQ uh, stories. Um, they're not afraid of having queer characters. They're, they're, they're not afraid of their characters, you know, exploring their sexuality. All of these things that are going on with these characters, you know, you know, Elliot and his wife and Elliot and his husband and his husband, you know, who used to be on Angel and was Deathlock on um Marvel's Agents of Shield, which I was surprised. I was really surprised with that actor's name is uh, J. August Richard. Just, it's a very different role than anything he's done, or at least anything I've seen him in. I hope he comes back in season three. Um, I think the magicians. 
I mean, I think they're going to soar to new heights in season three. They de- they definitely avoided the sophomore slump. Absolutely. They they definitely improved. And part of that was that, at least for me, is that Quentin wasn't as depressing as he was in the first season. That being said, he's still too depressing. They need to they need to do something more because he he for me is the weak link. He has mm. moments where he comes through, but most of the time, you need no dos. <laughs> he needs a VA. His, yeah, he, he needs something. Before we move on, Dan, I I know um, when we were talking about in our rec- book recommendations podcast, you were looking forward to American Gods. It's almost here. It's premiering on April thirtieth. What did you think of the newest clip that they released this last week? Oh, absolutely love it. I'm I'm so looking forward to this show. Everything that they've done, whether it's the press stuff, whether it's these teasers the the posters even like the the short viral uh clips that they've been putting i don't know if anyone else's facebook feed is like this maybe it's just because i follow neil gaiman like really closely on uh facebook stuff but it's been everywhere i'm so excited um me and luke you and i were talking before about uh seeing kristen chenoweth on screen again Mm. she never disappoints ever She's going to be fantastic as Easter. I'm so, I'm just so ready for this show to finally premiere. It's been a long time coming and so many like networks passed on it or we're trying to rewrite it or stuff like that. It's just this, it's time, it's time. And I am, I'm ready. Okay. Um, Mo. I'm going to use this as a segue into our movie topics because there's a whole bunch of great uh, trailers that I want to discuss. Um, This last week, Marvel Comics released information about how Captain America was always part of Hydra and evil. And I am not a Captain America fan, so for me it's like, eh. But... I felt bad for people who are because he is the opposite of being always evil. And so I was just sort of annoyed because I Marvel has had a Marvel in the comics world has had almost as bad of a month as United Pepsi and Sean Spicer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so when I saw that, I'm like, why, why would you do this? Now, I hit you up on uh, Twitter and I was like, so what are your thoughts? And you like you didn't have quite the reaction that I did. You seem to have a more of an open mind to this. But what do you think of people? uh, What do you think of the reaction of people who aren't liking it? And then what are your thoughts as well? Well, okay, just to just to kind of back up, if you don't mind, and I can just give a little context. No worries. What's going on? Sure. So Captain America in the current comic storyline um in this in the steve rogers captain america comic because right now there are two captain america comics one is steve rogers one is captain america sam wilson who in the films has been the falcon now steve rogers okay um at one point back in 2015 he was an old man he was uh, literally a physically a 90 year old man he was rejuvenated in 2016 in a comic storyline called 
Avengers standoff by a thing called a cosmic cube. If you've seen the films, the cosmic cube was in the first Captain America. The first was in Captain America, the, um, the first Avenger film. It was the one of the, it was the MacGuffin in there. This cosmic cube was a sentient being. The cosmic cube, um, rejuvenated Steve, made Steve young again, gave him his powers back. When the Cosmic Cube did this, the Cosmic Cube, which has a name, because it's a sentient Cosmic Cube called Kobik, rewrote Steve's reality so that he always thought he was an agent of Hydra. Okay. And that was the thing that came out, what is it, last summer? Yes, that's correct. When the comic relaunched, because there have been several relaunches. People, if you try to Google this, you're going through a rabbit hole. It's like Alice falling into Wonderland. Um, it's and it is it, not a Wonderland. No, it is not. So the writer Nick Spencer, okay, he latched onto this because uh, this idea of Hydra just insinuating itself within the Marvel Comics universe had been started by the previous Captain America writer, Rick Remender. So Rem- Rick Remender, before he left Marvel to do um, some independent comics full-time, he had planted the seed in um, uh, all-new Captain America, which is when the Falcon had taken over the mantle of Captain America. Um, Falcon's okay. girlfriend had, had found out that Hydra had insinuated itself, so the writer Nick Spencer took this idea and blew it up and made it larger. What if Steve Rogers himself was Hydra? Not Which brings yet. us to today. In this series, so the writer Nick Spencer basically has turned Captain America to Hydra. Hydra has launched this whole plan to take over the world. This book has been in the pipeline for a long time. That is why my response is kind of, I'm a tepid, just kind of wait and see what happens. I think Marvel, is, the publicity and the marketing tool is at Marvel has is is trying to build upon something and just trying to use this to generate sales. They think bad press, any press is good press. Um, I, I guess for me, it just, I mean, it sort of comes down to in the aftermath of them basically blaming bad sales on minority characters and, or implying that. And then you have this and a couple other things. I'm like, sales are not based off of minority characters. They're off of, crappy storylines the rebirth Correct. the rebirth for dc has been amazing you look at those the comics i read a whole bunch of them have thoroughly enjoyed them and they have had fantastic reception the reason why sales are down for marvel is because you're getting storylines like this that piss off longtime fans because they're like the ultimate hero other than superman is going to be continued told and have his history rewritten i can see why there would be upset and why sales could be down well, the other reason is they keep having crossovers too, because this is true. this is secret. This is building to a big major crossover that just started with a zero issue that cost five bucks. Um, Captain, and uh, I would not Empire. buy that. Correct, and it comes on top of a Civil War two, which was another expensive crossover, and before that, Secret Wars. So people are just tired, and and storylines like you said, storylines like this are pissing people off. Um, but I think structurally, if if you I think it it works if you put all the pieces together. It works as a story. I just don't think it's the right story for Captain America. 
Okay. Let's talk a little bit about trailers as we wrap things up. There were some very interesting ones. Kira Knightley popped up in an international version of the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise, which makes me very happy. The Kingsman franchise for the upcoming film released a teaser trailer that for to basically say we're releasing the full trailer tomorrow. Then we have the Thor Ragnarok trailer that came out while we were off last week and the Star Wars The Last Jedi. How much geeky awesomeness was all of this, Dan? Uh, it was a lot of geeky awesomeness. Uh, I'm really looking forward to Star Wars, really looking forward to Thor. Uh, I still need to see the first um, Kingsman. It's amazing. I, I, oh. I really want I really want to see it. I'm just, I, I haven't gotten a chance to. Um, but I'm looking forward to catching up. And yeah, Kira Knightley coming back. I am all about that because... Elizabeth and Will together on screen again. Everything is geekgasm. Yeah, it, it's coming back up now. Whether or not they write for him, well, that's a whole other discussion entirely. Um, but yeah, no, looking forward to it. Mel, my favorite moment from the Thor Ragnarok uh, trailer was when you have Thor going, "He's my friend from work," <laughs> and then and then the Hulk attacks. What which of these trailers most excited you? Oh, what else? Star Wars: The Last Jedi. I could talk about that trailer all day. Cause let me tell you right now, when Luke Skywalker said it's time for the Jedi to end, I said what? Which is, I'm sorry, I didn't hear you right, Luke. I'm just ugh, let me clean out my ears. What are you talking about? So. Skywalker's talking about he wants the Jedi, Jedi to end, but it's clear that he's training Rey, and we finally get to see, like, the relationship there, because I have my own theories, which is a podcast in and of itself, but that's not the point. Um, Kilo Ren is still, you know, deep in the dark side. He wants to defeat them. I... There's a lot. There's so much going on in Star Wars trailer. I'm excited. I don't want to wait till Christmas. I want to see it right now. But alas, I don't have those powers. So, um, yeah, but no, it was a great week in geek movie trailers, and I'm excited. Mo, what most excites you about the trailers? Star Wars The Last Jedi. I mean, if I had a TARDIS, I would jump in it and head to December now. Okay. But I, I really like, I really enjoyed the Thor Ragnarok. I've watched that thing three times. Um, it's it. I think it will probably be the strong, it, if it sticks to Landon, I think it could be the strongest Thor movie. And that's what I find interesting about that is it seems to me that the Thor movies just seem to get better which with each one because mm -hmm. I wasn't a big fan of the first one, but the second one was better. If the third one is good as the trailer makes it look, it's it, this is a franchise that gets better with age. Unlike Guardians of the Galaxy, which was awesome for the moment it premiered, and this year Volume 2 premieres on my birthday, so you know where I will be on my birthday. It's my birthday. Woo! Uh, on that note, we would encourage you to comment on this episode at geekconfidential.com. Follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash gkconfidential. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash gkconfidential. Write us a review on iTunes. You can find Melody at Melody Akles. Dan is mi Mr. or real Dan Pierce. Real. Real, real Dan, Dan Pierce. Pierce. And Mo, I don't have your memorized because you haven't been on the podcast that often. Where can they find you on Twitter? Dr. Mo 77 there you go. And you can find me at Luke underscore Kirk. We thank you for listening. Until next time, so long. See you guys. Bye, y'all. Bye, everyone.